0: Hi everybody, I'm Ralph Ben-Murgey. Welcome to Yechopitzville. It feels like a long time since I've done a Yechopitzville. We, uh, We did do one in the Caribbean recently, which was pretty wild. Uh, we're sort of bouncing around these days, uh, obviously in Canada, but looking for stories anywhere in the world where Jewish people live uh, that are not, you know, the mainstream city of where a Jewish people population would be expected. Uh, the more the better. Uh, in this case, we're going to go back into Canada and out of the Caribbean, even though they're exactly the same in vibe. Not. All right. <laughs> we're going to go to Sioux Lookout, uh, now, we will figure out what is Sioux Lookout, because I think people think Sue Ste. Marie they've heard of, and Sue this, Sue in the States, and, but this is Sioux Lookout, so we'll, we'll do all that. And I'm going to do that through the eyes of two people who are both doctors, who both have life experience of Sioux Lookout. My guests today are Dr. Benjamin Goldstein and Dr. Ben Langer. I'll call Benjamin Goldstein Benji. And then Ben will be Ben Langer, and that we'll figure out. Hi, guys. How are you?
1: Hi, doing well. Thank you. Good.
2: Thanks thanks, uh, for uh, having us on.
0: Hey, no problem. Okay. I should say Ben Langer is in a canoe, which I don't think it gets more Canadian than Yeah, on in in a canoe uh, with uh, with
2: two toddlers and a five year old, then trying to get across the lake. So we'll see, we'll see how this all works out. You might hear some loons. Uh, you might hear some toddler screaming.
0: We'll see. Well, I like the loon part. The loon to me is uh, Ontario. Woo! I just love that part. Uh, ben Goldstein, you are not in a canoe. Is that right?
1: I decided it would be much easier to do this from uh, from a living room setup. So you're
0: on a couch, the other one's on a canoe. They both start with C. We're good. And I'm in Moncton, New Brunswick, and we actually did a show about Jewish life in Moncton, New Brunswick, way at the beginning of Pittsville. So everything's going full circle. All right, Doctor Goldstein, please tell me what is your relationship to Sue Lookout?
1: My relationship to Sue Lookout was incidental. I um, I was doing. I was. I'm, I'm not from Canada originally. I I grew up in Israel, and I was doing medical school, and I was looking for somewhere remote that would really push my um, my ability to do medicine, push me to the extreme of what I was comfortable with. And my wife and I, because uh, I couldn't have made any decisions without her, went to a recruitment fair, and we sort of shopped around, and Lookout caught our attention. So we came up to a site visit, we fell in love with the place, I fell in love with the medicine here, and I moved up here in, we moved up in 2008. Sixteen at the time, we were not quite the first Jews in town, but the first sort of practicing Jews who were living in Sioux lookout,
0: Wow, okay, so there's a lot in there, but
1: part of it would
0: be what is it that caught your attention? What made you think, oh that would be interesting,
1: yeah, so rural rural family medicine, especially in Canada, I think, but maybe anywhere. Um, is different medicine. It's nothing that any of us were, or in my opinion, nothing any of us were trained for in medical school. Uh, We don't have, you know, the same support networks you do in the city. We don't have tertiary care centers nearby. We don't have specialists. Uh, Sometimes both Ben and I have spent some time traveling up to First Nation reserves where literally there could be no doctor or you could be the only doctor in a fly-in community and you've got no choice but to figure out how to do everything because... It's you or nothing. And as a graduating resident, you sort of have a little bit of comfort with certain things. And when you're tossed into, I guess, the deep end, um, you you've got to learn a lot and learn it quickly. It means getting more comfortable with something specialists might do normally. It means getting more comfortable with very sick patients, getting more comfortable with more medical procedures, and you know, and you've got to do it because not a lot of doctors are willing to and. If you're not willing to take that leap and learn all that stuff, then there's literally n- no one else here to practice medicine sometimes.
0: Yeah, all right. Uh, now, Ben Langer has been paddling the entire time we've been talking, so uh, we'll see if he can paddle and talk at the same time. Uh, sure. <laughs> uh, all right, so t- uh, talk to me about Sue Lookout. Why Su uh, Lookout?
2: So I, I actually heard uh, there was a thriving Jewish community uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's a guy named Benji Goldstein who made uh, incredible challah and did things even like Tu uh, shvat Seders and all sorts of cool no. <laughs> I was actually planning to do <laughs> to do ru- uh, rural and remote indigenous medicine from, uh, from the time I was in medical school um, and so lookout is kind of the premier place uh, for that for learning how to do that and for doing it in Ontario and and uh, it you know I was I was uh, really excited to, to be able to live live here and provide that service uh, and, ben, me and Benji really summarized the, the, the type of medicine and the kinds of things you may be called upon uh, to do and the kinds of problem-solving that you have to do on a on a daily basis and and uh, it's it's exciting it's very it can be very heavy um, but, you know, you, you go out and you, you do long, long hours of very difficult uh, technical and emotional medicine, but then you come home and, and you hop in a canoe and paddle across the lake. So <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a, it, a bit of an extreme
0: balance, but it's a balance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well put for a guy paddling. I must say, I'm very impressed. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what it is to be Jewish and to think, oh, I think I'd like to go live in Sioux Lookout. Uh, we'll start with Ben Goldstein. What, what, for you, was that a consideration? Did you think, well, how am I going to, what happens to me this way? Or?
1: It, it was huge. Uh, I grew up, like I said, I grew up in Israel. And then I, I was born in Montreal, grew up in Israel, and then moved back to Montreal for for education, uh, from undergrad and medical school. And I had a very close connection with, uh, with my Jewish community, both in Israel and in Montreal. And when I told my rabbi that we were coming up to Sulakot, he made a face, something like this, but there are no Jews there. <laughs> and, and, and it was true. And there were massive things like for the high holidays, we would leave town every year. We'd either go to Montreal or to Israel and, um, Ben Langer mentioned that I, uh, you know, I would do to be every year, which I did. We'd celebrate Shavuot also in Sioux Lookout, but Passover, we were back in Montreal, Purim. We were until COVID hit, we were always back in Montreal and we had to figure out how to negotiate that. There wasn't, we couldn't have a thriving Jewish life in Sioux Lookout the way we would have liked. So we had to build a community around us. And decide when we couldn't build a community around us and when we, you know, when we would travel back to the city to celebrate certain things. Um, But Ben sort of made a joke about it, but it was true, you know, we moved into town. There were almost no Jews here. And then about a year, a year and a half later, Ben and his wife moved in next door. Uh, I remember they actually arrived in town while we were in Israel and we came back to greet them, I think, with a challah and some olive oil from Israel. Uh, welcoming them to the neighborhood, and like, what were the chances that we moved to a town without Jews? And the person who moves in next door happens to be Jewish, and his father happens to be Moyle which was a whole other story. <laughs> so we figured out how to what we could do. Not, not only not only Jewish, but Reconstructionist. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <so Yeah. laughs> that, that is also true. We attend. We we are part of the Reconstructionist community in Montreal, and we were very close with that community. Yeah. And so we figured out how we could bring Judaism into Sioux lookout, share our culture with other people in many ways, and when we had to leave town because there were things that we just couldn't observe here
0: hmm yeah, so for Ben Langer, what are the odds? Right? Did you know you were moving in beside the one of the only other Jews in the whole area we I actually when when we moved into the into the
2: neighborhood and it's it's it almost has a bit of a kibbutz feel, the neighbourhood, because it's like 10 row houses with a big shared backyard and people like really share a lot of things and get together a lot. Um, I, I heard there was a guy named Benji Goldstein who was living on the row and, uh, and I heard he was Israeli and uh, I, I had kind of pictured a, a very tanned guy in khaki shorts who prefaced every sentence with, Im. <laughs> And that's not exactly that's not, not exactly Benji, but but uh, he's got a, also a lot of typically Israeli traits. He's very gregarious. He's uh, very loving and very welcoming, and everybody's friend. And uh, he's very tech savvy. His he, uh, <laughs> his house is wired wired to the nines. And even his ice Chanukiah that he makes every year is wired up with Google to uh, to light the the Chanukah candles. I thought you were going to say very blunt. That, that as well. <laughs> yeah, that's a good really great. Yeah. like dis- di- disagreeable in the technical psychological term. Not everybody loves him, but he's not afraid to tell you when, you, when he when he thinks you're wrong. <laughs> but having 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 Benji in Sulukout and Benji and Tal and and uh, uh, at first and then Ron after um, has been absolutely huge for our ability to, to kind of feel like we have a a home. You know, like we we share many many Shabbats, we share many holidays. You know, we we go back to Toronto for our our uh, Pesach as well. But but um, it's just been a, a real blessing <laughs> to have even that. You know, like not a minion, but um, <laughs> at least at least another family to to share, compare traditions with, compare tunes for the blessing. <laughs> you know, talk about summer camp, joke about the silly joke about the silly. Uh, we give thanks to God for bread at the <laughs> beginning of the, of the Right, it's, been, it's just been uh, really wonderful.
0: So, uh, are there any other Jewish people around you guys?
1: So, when I came here, there was another Jewish doctor who was sort of on her way out, and a few other, um, uh, sort of, the uh, there's Stu, who's... Um, Jewish, but a little bit observant. Uh, His wife and kids aren't really... uh, They're not really raising the kids Jewish, but they still related to some of the traditions. And a bit of a community started to form around us. You know, we came, and then Ben and his wife Lizzie came. and, um, And as he mentioned, we sort of gravitated towards each other. And this very small but surprising Jewish community started to grow around us till the point that... Um you know suddenly our 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 tobi table was just full and it was always full because we shared other people with the tradition but it was full of jews and so ben's uh childhood friend and a colleague Jackie Vanek came up to town at some point and um our local massage therapist's name is Tamara, and her father's Jewish and she started connecting with her jewish roots and um our colleague dan Shalinsky um came to town and he, he wasn't very observant, but he sort of started re-exploring his Jewish heritage through this little Jewish community that we had set up here. And by the time my wife and kids and I moved back to Israel last year, we really did feel like there was a small Jewish community that we were leaving behind us.
0: So when you, you're you now in Israel, what made you decide it was time to leave Sioux Lookout and go go back to Israel?
1: It, it was always the goal. It was always the plan. I, I joke, I always say, I came here in 2004 to do it, here to Canada, in 2004 to do, do a degree in psychology. And I was planning to be here for four years. And somehow it was 2021 I was married and had two kids. I was a doctor and I was still living in Canada. It was never my intention. My wife Tal is uh, born in Israel, uh, raised in Canada. We, we always planned to go back. And I think ultimately what gave us the final push is, you know, your kids hit first grade and you say, if you're not moving back now, then when are you doing it? Ultimately, that didn't work because COVID delayed our plans. But we started the ball rolling when Etan, our eldest, was, um, was in senior kindergarten.
0: So you're back in Sioux for the uh, summer, I guess. Yeah. And then you go back, Ben Langer. Do you miss uh, Benji? Yeah, we really do. Um, you know, it's really
2: nice to to have them uh, for for you know the the month of, of uh, July and a little bit of, of August. Um, and uh, it's great to see the, the kids and see how they've they've grown and and how uh, <laughs> uh, Ron, their uh, youngest. Just in the course of uh, a year, has really just taken on a very strong Israeli accent at the beginning when he came here. Um, you know,
0: he was he was uh, he was a, a different kid. Hey, what but, uh, what, yeah, we, what we, we, are you telling me? We're going to sleep? I don't want you to be going to sleep now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And, and
2: we're and we're actually we're actually in in about six months. Moving not not so much to such a central Jewish community as Jerusalem, but to a slightly more peripheral Jewish community of Peterborough, where we've actually joined the Beth Israel synagogue and and uh, have been welcomed there. And we're also but we're also planning to come up um, in the summer as well. And we're we're really looking forward to a, to an annual reunion of recreating our community. Uh, uh, every, every year pr- provided everything works out.
0: <laughs> so, so you're going to leave too, right? Yeah. And this
2: is also, I mean, it's a, it's a planned, a planned, we came for one year and this is the story of so many people who come to Sioux lookout. We came for one year and maybe if, if things, you know, if things were really great for two and, uh, now we're approaching five years and, uh, and there, you know, we, we toyed with staying longer, but certain things changed with family. My my dad's dad died in February. Bernie Langer, who was a surgeon and uh, was in the news a little. My, my mom's mom died uh, just this past month. And, and uh, you know, you start to think about being closer to family. And my family's in Toronto. And Lizzie's, my, my wife Lizzie's family's in Toronto. And this is one of the... The things go in cycles in a place like Sioux Lookout. There are some lifers, but uh, but there's also a lot of turnover and and a lot of hellos and a lot of goodbyes. And uh, it it can be the nature the nature of being up here, you know, in this in the in the big backyard I was talking about, where there are uh, about I think eight eight uh, semi-detached units. Um, I think we're the only people after five years still living in the in the spot, so it's um it's a place with a lot of flux um, but because of that also a place where where uh, so many people have been a part of over so long that you can almost not um, not go to go to a place a dinner party uh, anywhere without meeting someone who at least has some connection to see lookout somehow I remember bendy uh, you, you could tell the story but I think your your uh, wife Tao was on the mm-hmm. beach in Mexico and overheard people talking about Sioux Lookout. <laughs> it, it
1: was it was funnier than that. I was we were by the pool in Mexico and I was chatting with someone who turned out used to live in Sioux Lookout. Like, what are the chances you're off in Mexico, of bumping into another Canadian? Never mind, someone from Sioux Lookout. And at that exact same moment, my wife was in the pool with someone who had used to live in Sioux Lookout, and we. Came out of the, like she got out of the pool and I was like, you won't believe this. And she's like, you won't believe this. And we're like, oh, they must just be together. And it turned out that um, actually they didn't know each other. It was just a coincidence that there were these two people from Sioux Lookout uh, with us in Mexico at the same time.
0: So, Benji, let me ask you, uh, Goldstein, um, I've got a lawnmower going at the next cottage, by the way. Uh, let me ask you, um, what has Sue Lookout given to you as a Jewish person?
1: Yeah, that's such a great question. And at first, we came up here and we thought that it was going to be hard. And we thought that it would cause challenges raising Jew- Jewish children. And, and we learned a lot about that and how it wasn't true. There were definitely gaps in things I couldn't teach my children. But it forced me to solidify that Jewish identity and to work extra hard to solidify it in my children. Uh, part of the reason that Eitan's name is Eitan, I don't know if you know the Johnny Cash song, "A Boy Named Sue. Uh, but the idea was he had to fight for his identity because every time he tells someone his name, he then has to explain his identity. Um, and, and it was that. It was. It, I had to learn a bit about some Jewish traditions. Uh, I had to learn to bake a challah, which I had never done before. No kosher bakery around here. And it, came, it became an every Friday thing. I had to learn a little bit around the holidays. I ended up becoming my brother jokes. He wanted to edit um, the Sioux Lookout Wikipedia page to say something about the de facto leader of the Jewish community in Sioux Lookout is Dr. Benjamin Goldstein. But, but it's sort of, we joke, but it sort of was that. I did sort of migrate into this de facto, like, you have a question about Judaism, you come to Benji. Benji hosts the big Shavuot party every year. We ask him questions about Shavuot and about Judaism and in turn, I had to go out and learn some of that stuff because I might have had some—I not might have—I for sure had certain knowledge gaps around certain things. And ultimately, when my kids reached school age, and um, Etan, not to our not was not our plan, but he started first grade here and junior kindergarten and kindergarten and uh, senior kindergarten. Um, we had a choice between the public school here and the Catholic school. And we struggled with that decision because all of, his fr- all of his friends were at the Catholic school and ultimately discovered that it was sort of nice because they, although it was Catholic, they had a sort of consciousness of religion and they included a ton in that class. And we were now coming to the school and teaching about Rosh Hashanah. I came to blow the shofar with them. Uh, we came to bake challah with them uh, on a Friday, which was a classic, like, you know, Jewish daycare activity, but we were here doing it at the Catholic daycare and sharing our culture. So being here forced me to explore my roots further and to learn them well enough to share them with my children and with the community at large, and then ultimately with with other Jews when when they ended up moving here.
0: And uh, Ben Langer, tell me, how has living in Sioux Lookout affected your sense of being Jewish?
2: And I think I think that yeah. I mean, as as Benji said, being far away from a, a kind of a Jewish center um, means you have to you have to do it yourself. And if it's going to happen, it's you know it's because you, you do it. And um, and you know it's been wonderful to have, have some company in that as well. Um, and I think that I mean coming coming here um, also to be a physician for um, almost entirely. Um, Anishinaabe people. Um, in in the, the, the group, the group we have serves about 32,000 people in mostly remote uh, reserves stretched across about the area, an area the size of France in the boreal forest. And, and there's a significant um, history of historical, um, historical oppression, cultural genocide. Um, there's there's a, a big aspect of Tikkun Olam to, to the work um, that we try to do, uh, as, as um, with its all, with all its highs and lows, and uh, and I've also gotten to share a little bit with with the remote Anishinaabe community that I go to called Satsadog Lake. Um, you know, it, it doesn't come up a lot, but uh, uh, you know, for instance, at a jamboree or a memorial service, often they know I play guitar. They call on me to come up and. Sing a song. I don't, you know, that's mostly gospel stuff. So I, I, end up singing a camp version of Odevo Shalom Aleinu. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, they asked me that, uh, on my very first trip up there. They uh, they had a fish fry, and they asked me to say the uh, a, a, a grace. And I, I don't really know how to say grace because the community um, skews a little bit, um, excuse, uh, mostly um, Christian. There's Pentecostal and Anglican church up there in Saatical. Um And so I kind of made up a Hebrew prayer. <laughs> I, said, uh, I think I said Hamotsi uh, Dag Mehayam uh, or, or something, or Mehagam. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> nobody knew. But. Um, but there's, there's been a significant aspect of, of that as well. And, and uh, I, I think that, you know, is, uh, viewing Jewishness as a set of values as well, it, it, has, it has been um, good to, to do that. We, we're, uh, we're actually um, just arriving at the other side of the lake, and I'm going to have to help everybody get out safely. <laughs> um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say farewell to you guys now. Thank you so much for for having us on. It's 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 really nice to to talk about this, and and really good to be on. The, even though we're in the same place for once in a in a long time, we're not actually in the same place. Me, me and Benji. I, <laughs> you're I, gonna, I, I you're do. You're in Jerusalem, and forth, even though he's look in
0: Suwalka. Yeah. You paddled away from him as fast as you could. He's, yeah.
1: not he's not
0: taking it personally. All right, All right. Take care of your kids. All right. Uh, I'm going to just end with Benji Goldstein but uh, okay. Anger, thank you so much. Good luck with the move to Peterborough. Thank and you. And I hope you have a great time till then.
2: All right. Uh,
1: all Take right. care,
0: bye. Take care. Uh, so Benji, yeah. tell me about this Ice menorah. Did you make an Ice yeah, menorah? so this
1: got a lot of interest. Um multiple newspaper write-ups. I was actually on like the Evening News in uh in Israel like like the primetime channel i can't remember if it was channel 1 or channel 2 there with um Udi Segal who's like like one of the main news figures in Israel uh yeah i had got it into my head shortly after we moved here to build an ice it actually started as an ice igloo project out of um uh out of just i collected a few milk cartons and i was like oh I'll spend the the winter you know it's minus 30 minus 40 here uh, in the winter you know freezing some blocks of ice and building an igloo and that encountered technical challenges, um, it was beyond my my ability. And so I had about 60 or 70 of these um, little cartons. And I said, oh, Hanukkah's coming up. Maybe I'll build a little ice, a little ice Hanukiah." And I built one and I drilled a really tiny little thing. And I drilled a few holes into it and I uh, put candles in and they never stayed lit in minus 30 degrees uh, and it was cute, and we had a Hanukkah party at our house. Like I said, we share our culture, and we the ice Hanukkah, and it was, it was a thing. We, we did discover that year that a lot of people um, were driving by the house. We live on a side street that you usually don't drive by unless you know someone who lives there. We were suddenly seeing this influx of cars driving by, slowing down in front of the house, and then driving off. And so it turned into, like, this little mini-attraction, and next year we did Hanukkah in Israel, and the year after that I said, you know, it was, the candles didn't stay lit. Wouldn't it be nice to build something a little bit bigger and maybe wire it up with um with some uh, with some light bulbs to uh, actually be able to turn it on and for people to see it and stuff? And so we built something significantly larger, um, using 150 of those blocks, and that that got. Some traction I was on I did a radio show in New York and I was on the news in Israel like like primetime news, which is kind of <laughs> comic to me that that was a primetime story and a few newspaper articles and and then I was like and then we were supposed to um, move to Israel at the end of that year and I was happy to be moving to Israel, but a little bit disappointed because I having gotten a bit of experience, I had all these great ideas for my next ice Hanukkiah, And the silver lining of COVID ended up being another ice Hanukkah. But my new plans needed almost 500 bricks. And I used to collect them all year. And we found ourselves sort of with just a couple of months till winter. And so I put a posting on Facebook asking people to drop off milk cartons in front of our house. And it took, and this is where like, it's so lovely living in a small town. People knew the project. They were familiar with it. They were excited about it. And the whole town pitched in to the point that I had to, I think, after six weeks, put a posting on Facebook saying, like, we've exceeded our needs. Please stop dropping off your milk cartons. And then we had people stopping by to, like, check up on the project, see how it was going, like, um, how many cartons we had, how many more we needed. And then winter came, I filled up about five or six hundred cartons and left them outside and proceeded to build the most, the largest Most elaborate ice Chanukiah I've ever built. Um, It did not attain the the record. I looked it up. There was some that they built in New York or something. They're just monstrous. Uh, I was hoping I'd have some sort of Jewish record on that one. Uh, But it did go over sort of the first floor of my house and it was wired up and it glowed from the inside and it was completely electric and uh, controlled wirelessly. So I could turn, I could tell Google to turn each candle on in turn. And we had like a lighting schedule and people were coming by and it was just this giant structure made out of over 500 bricks. And that year people were actually coming by at the hour that the candles were supposed to turn on or the whole thing lit up to see the whole thing light up. And that was the year that we, I was sitting with my son in in the living room and and there were these, I was like, is there lightning outside? And it was, no, it was just people walking by taking pictures with their flashes and stuff. And it turned into this huge community project almost that people took a huge interest in and again a few news articles and uh really got some yeah
0: you know it's like what people do around christmas is everybody drives to the house that has all the christmas stuff so you were doing the jewish thing and you know both of you listening to both of you talk you in ways were ambassadors about what it is to be jewish hundred percent and is the responsibility of that
1: yeah and the community really took an interest in it we had one per this really touched us actually This one woman on the first night of Hanukkah when the whole thing was ready and, you know, it was always a struggle. Will I be done on time? Uh, Someone who we didn't know rang our doorbell and had a little box of Hanukkah gelt and a happy Hanukkah card for our family and children. This was someone we didn't know, someone who was not Jewish. And and we were like, where did you get a Hanukkah card and, like, Hanukkah gelt? Uh, in Sue Lookout, and she... I I don't remember where she... But anyways, this woman had gone out of her way to be welcoming to the Sioux Lookout Jewish family.
0: Fantastic. Well, listen, uh, I I really appreciate you spending the time, and uh, Dr. Langer as well. Uh, And, uh, you know, uh, I guess Sioux Lookout's loss is Israel's gain, but uh, you both have put in beautiful time there. And uh, I wish you uh, a safe journey back uh, to Israel. And... uh, you know, I hope you inspire other people to do some of the things that you guys have done by going to Sioux Lookout. So thank you very much. Thank
1: you. Thanks for having me. It's
0: Dr. Benji Goldstein, Dr. Benjamin Langer. I'll, I'll be more formal with the second one. Uh, and folks, this has been your sponsored by Pear Tree Canada, reducing the after-tax cost of giving for Canadian major gift donors. Learn more at PearTreeCanada.com. I'm your host, Ralph Ben Our producer is Michael Freeman. Our music is by Louis Samayo. And if you want to travel with us across this great country and around the world visiting more small Jewish communities, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to hear more of my work, go to ralphbenmurgi.ca. You'll see my book, I Thought He Was Dead, and all the other things that I do. I host another podcast of my own called Not That Kind of Rabbi which will find a co-host in the fall. Uh, Avram Rosenzweig is going to join me on Not That Kind of a Rabbi, and we'll be having some fun there. And if you want to hear more Canadian Jewish stories, you can find them at the Canadian Jewish News' website, the C A. and we'll see you next time on Hoppitzville. Take care.